are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. The other side of the door. The other side of the door. Now I'm reading just nine verses and then we'll discuss other verses and then at the very close of my message we'll come back to our text. John 10, 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, or before the sheep, uh, before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them, again, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. At that, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Now that's reading the first nine verses in John 10. And I've emphasized night by night as I've announced this subject that I'm speaking tonight on the other side of the door. Now, how many of you dear people, and I'm not trying to be funny tonight, we've had a lot of fun, we've laughed a lot, and we've had a good time trying to find out the definition of a door. How many of you have looked it up in the dictionary? Raise your hand, will you? Everybody that looked up the definition of a door in the dictionary, raise your hand. I'd like to see all of you. They looked up the word. Well, this is a lazy bunch. I can say that much for you. Amen. Yes, sirree. Lazy bunch. All right. How many of you know what a door is? Raise your hand high. You know what a door is. Well, here's a lot of folks who know what a door is. How'd the rest of you get out of the house tonight, huh? You climb out the window up here. Is that right? You don't believe in using the door. All right. Will somebody tell me right out loud, if you want to, you can stand up. Will somebody give me the definition of a door? Right quick. Who'll do it? Stand up or... Uh, now, sister, you, you, have, uh, you have two definitions there. You said it's an entrance way into or to be shut out from. Now, uh, do you mean a door is an entrance to a building? Is that what you mean? Will somebody else give me the definition of a door? Right quick. What is it? Right quick. What is it? Pardon? Yeah, I know Jesus is the door, but I'm talking about these doors we have in these houses around New Jersey. What is it, sister? A means of approach or access to a building. Is that right? Now, beloved, I must read Webster's definition of a door. Uh, we haven't gotten the right, the full, correct definition of a door yet. And I'm not trying to be smart. That's the reason I'm delivering the sermon. That's what a preacher's for. Jesus said, I am the what? Tell me. I am the door. Well, now, if he's the door, I want to know what a door is. Uh, I want to know what a door is if Jesus is the door. Now, here's what Webster says, and I think we agree, most Americans and English-speaking people agree, that Dr. Webster was and is an authority on the English language. Now, here's what he says. Listen, a door is a movable structure for the opening or the closing of an entrance to a building or a room or a movable structure giving access to a room or a building. 
a movable structure, a movable structure opening or closing the entrance to a building. Now then, right beneath that word in Webster's Dictionary is this word, D-O-O-R-W-A-Y, doorway. Now listen what it says. A doorway is an opening in a wall that can be closed by a door. Jesus said, I am the doorway. Is that right? No, it isn't. No, it isn't. He didn't say, I am the doorway. He said, I am the what? Now, a door is a movable object. If it won't move, it's not a door. You can put a door in this doorway over here. We, we don't have a door in the tent. But there is a doorway on that side. And there's a doorway on that side to the prayer room. That's the doorway. There's no door there. Now, if Mr. Robertson brings in here tomorrow a door and takes a saw on a plane and fits that hole and planes and saws that door down to where it'll go in that hole, and if he puts hinges on it, then that's a door. But if he takes a piece of board and nails it over that hole, then that's not a door. A door must move. A door is not a hole in the wall. And a door is not a solid, unmovable structure. Now hear me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Jesus said, I am the door. Is that right? Say. And beloved, the Jesus that will let you into heaven, if you know him, will be the one to see that you don't get in if you don't know him. Now he's not a hole in the wall. And he's not an entrance to heaven. He is the entrance to heaven to those who receive him. And he'll see to it that you don't get in if you don't receive him. Now, I'm not trying to be smart. And I know you dear people. And God bless you. I didn't know a bit more about a door than you do until I looked it up in the dictionary. And I didn't look it up until I prepared this message. You know, we Americans, we, we're funny folks. Somebody gets elated and gets real happy and we're talking to somebody and uh, we're standing in a group and somebody brings good news and uh, says uh, uh, somebody just uh, gave you a brand new automobile and uh, this fellow gets real happy and we say, boy, he's really up in the air, isn't he? And if a Frenchman or a German was standing there immediately, they'd start looking up in the sky to see if they could find him, you see. We butcher the English language. How many of you folks have ever used a hammer? Raise your hand. Ever used a hammer? Didn't know you had one in your head, did you? We, we people, we, we're lazy. We're a lazy bunch of folks. Did you know that? All of us are lazy. Very few of us ever study the dictionary. We, most of us, read the Reader's Digest, but that page that says, increase your word power, we skip it. We're too lazy to study, right? Answer me. Now listen, dear friends, I want your attention. I'm speaking on the right side of the door. If you're on the right side of Jesus, he'll see to it that you don't go to hell. And if you're on the wrong side of Jesus, he'll see to it that you don't go to heaven. Now then, with that in mind, we'll proceed. I don't care whether you preach on the love of God or hell or heaven or any subject you preach on, the first time that subject is mentioned in the Bible is important. So let's see what door, let's see when, and it's in Genesis 4. If you'll turn quickly, Genesis 4, we have the first mention of the door. And the first mention, 
necessitates the second mention and so forth. Now let's turn to it and we'll see what we have in the Word of God pertaining to the other side of the door, the right side. All right. Now then, in Genesis 4, verse 1, Adam knew his wife. She conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. Abel was keeping sheep, Cain till the ground. And in the process of time came to pass that Cain brought an offering, or rather brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. He brought the fruit of the ground. Now verse 4, And Abel he also brought of the firstling of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very what? Say it for me. He got mad, and his countenance did what? Tell me, huh? Now Cain was bound to be a Baptist. Nobody on earth can get as mad as a backslidden Baptist. Amen, huh? Nobody can pitch a fit like a Baptist that's mad with a preacher for preaching on the blood, huh? So Cain must have been a Baptist. Now, I can't prove this, but I think he is on the deacon board. Amen. All right. Now, the next thing I want you to see is verse 6. The Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou what? Say it for me. Son, what you mad about? Cain, what you mad about, friend? And why is thy, thy countenance fallen? Why have you turned so ashy in your face? All the blood's gone out of your face, Cain. What's wrong? Now, notice the tenderness of God. In verse 7, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Note. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the what? And under thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now, I'm going to stop right there, and that's the first door in the Bible. Now, of course, the Garden of Eden had an entrance, but there was no door there. Now, God put cherubims and a flaming sword at the entrance when Adam sinned. God drove Adam and Eve out, and God put cherubims and a flaming sword that revolved every way to keep the way of the tree of life. But there was no gate or door uh, to the paradise, the Garden of Eden, no gate. This is the first door mentioned in the Bible. Now then, why do we have this door? Now, to make a long story short, hit it in high spots, give you the heart of it, and I pray that you'll study it deeper when you get home tonight. Adam and Eve had two sons. Now then, how did these sons know that God required an offering? How did they know it? Where did Cain get the idea that God desired an offering? Now, there's only one answer. There's only one sensible, reasonable answer. Cain and Abel learned about God's demands at the knee of their parents, Adam and Eve. You know as well as I know that, uh, that Adam and Eve told Cain and Abel about the uh, lamb, uh, about the, uh, the skins in the garden, how that they sewed fig leaves together, and God condemned the fig leaves, and God uh, uh, took the skins and covered their nakedness, and skins require blood, the blood of an innocent animal. You know that common sense teaches you that Adam and Eve related that story to Cain and Abel many, many, many times, and Cain didn't just happen to bring fruit, and Abel did not just happen by chance to bring a lamb. They were instructed that God Almighty demands blood. Now, Romans 2.11 says, God is no respecter of persons. And God didn't pet Abel. God leaned over backward, God bent over backward to try to get Cain 
to do right and Cain wouldn't do right. Now you hear me, brother. You listen to me, sister. My friend today that I talked to, manager of radio station, who is a Christian scientist, said that uh, his religion was as good as mine, Roman Catholicism good as Christianity, Buddhism is as good as Christianity, and um, he named some others. He said, it doesn't make any difference. He said, for you to say that you're right and everybody else is wrong is to be presumptuous, and you're judging people. Now listen, dear friend, I don't care who you are nor where you come from, nor what outfit you belong to, nor what you've heard, nor what you believe, nor what you preach, nor what you've been taught, You'll get under the blood of the Son of God or burn in hell. You won't go to heaven unless you're covered by the blood. Now, so Cain brought fruit. Beautiful? Sure. The best he had? Sure. But God didn't ask for fruit. God cursed the ground. And the cursed ground produced the offering that Cain brought. Now, wait a minute. Cain brought fruit. God rejected his offering. Abel brought a lamb. God accepted his offering. Now, Cain got mad. Got mad. And his countenance fell. Now, God gave him a second chance. How many chances has he given you? How many chances has God given you? Some of you. Sitting out of this canvas tonight, you've said no to God, no to God, no to God, time, time and time again. Now, God was tender, God was kind, and God said, Cain, why are you wroth? Why is thou coming? He said, if thou doest well, if you'll do right, Cain, if you'll do right, even though you've done wrong, you've done wrong, but I'll forgive you wrong if you'll do right. But he wouldn't do right. He wouldn't do right. Now, here's what I want you to see. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I know a little Greek. But the one I know makes hot dogs in Greenville, so that don't help me much now. But I don't know any Hebrew. But I've read after some noted Hebrew scholars, and Hebrew scholars tell us that this word sin... In this verse, in the English Bible, should have by all means been translated sin offering. The same word, the same Hebrew word for sin and sin offering, that is, it, it should have been sin offering here. Now, I'll tell you why I say that. Now, listen to me. Listen to that. God said, Cain, if you'll do right, I'll still accept you. And he said, if you do not right, sin lies at the door. Now, you can take it either way you want to, but here's what God said to Cain. God said, Cain... You brought fruit. But now, Cain, there's a sin offering right outside your tent door. The backyard's full of lambs. The backyard is full of sheep. And you can bring a lamb just like Abel brought a lamb. And if you bring a lamb, there's a lamb right outside your door. Step out there on the other side of your door. There's a lamb. And if you'll bring that lamb, I'll receive you. But if you don't bring that lamb, then, of course, sin is at the door. Now listen, dear friend, listen. I don't care who you are nor what you've done or what you haven't done sitting under this tent tonight. If you desire to be saved and if you desire to go to heaven and if you want to become a son of God, there's a sin offering already offered for you. Receive it and live. 
But what did Cain do? Cain said by his actions, God, you'll take what I've given you and lack it. You'll take the fruit. I'm not bringing a lamb. Now, we're living in the day when liberals and modernists call fundamental blood, and I said fundamental, not fundamental. We have some fundamental preachers in the land, and we have some fundamental preachers in the land. And some of them are not independent, they're isolated. They're so independent, the termites in the seals of their church won't fellowship with termites if they're not out of the same faith and order. Amen. That's the truth. Died in the wool, isolated, and won't fellowship with anybody. Now listen to me. If you're washed in the blood, you're my blood kin relative. And if you're not washed in the blood, we're no kin. Now what happened? Cain said, God, you'll take what I gave you and like it. I'm not bringing anything else. Now, I want to tell you something right now. We had a boy saved here the night before last, and he admitted that the reason he wasn't saved years ago, and he'd been trying to get saved for years, but he couldn't get saved because people had been demanding and telling him what he had to do and how he had to do it. He had to do exactly like they did, holler exactly like they hollered, jumped exactly like they jumped, and he had to do exactly, listen to me, listen to me. And he said, preacher, I've tried to get saved, tried to get saved, tried to get saved, and I couldn't get saved because I couldn't do like they said I had to do to get saved. And he said, I've been on road to hell. Well, back here the other night, about 11.15, 11.30, everybody gone but a few personal workers, a couple of preachers, why there wasn't anybody there to tell him how high he had to jump, how far he had to run. So the dear old boy was going to hell and a gang of religionists, a gang of religionists were sending him to hell. Don't you ever tell anybody what happened to you emotionally when you were saved. Tell them what the Son of God did to keep them out of hell. We're all saved alike, but we don't all act alike instantaneously, emotionally when we are saved. Amen or not? Say. Now I'm not in the prayer room. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The head counselor has my permission. Anytime some bird's down on his knees telling somebody that you'll have to do like I did. Now, this is the way I did it. Now, this is the way I felt. Now, I had a cold chill run up my backbone. When I got saved, I jumped up and ran all over the church. Mister, if I hear you telling a man on his knees that kind of junk, I'll take you by the arm and lead you out. You're not saved by jumping. You're saved by accepting the shed blood of Jesus. Amen. Now, you may jump when you're saved, but you don't have to jump to be saved. So I don't like you green, the devil don't either. All right, Cain, there's a lamb right outside your door. You're on this side, the lamb's on the other side. Cain, if you'll step outside, there's a lamb out there. Did he? No. 
I don't know whether it was the same day or the next day, but right soon he and his brother were down in the field and they were talking religion. What else could they have been talking? The hottest arguments on the face of the earth are religious arguments. And a mad religionist will do you a lot dirtier than a bootlegger will ever dream of doing you. And a mad religionist and a mad church member will tell more lies on the preacher than a bartender will tell on him. Yeah, the amens have died out now. Yes, sir, they're gone. Won't be bothered any more shouting tonight, bless the Lord. Amen. That killed that. Yes, sir, that got it. All right. So Cain and Abel had a religious argument. I don't argue the word of God with no man, woman either. I'll preach it, I'll tell you what it says, but I'm not arguing with you. So Cain killed Abel, you know the story. Now heaven knows I can't stay there. So Cain, Cain was on the wrong side of the door. He stayed on the wrong side of the door. He refused to get on the right side of the door, and he paid for it. Now, what am I saying, dear friends? Listen to me. Listen to me. Finally, finally, God was forced to annihilate and to drown and to wipe from the face of the earth the descendants of Cain. Is that right? Say. Now, of course, others too, but Cain. Now, notice in uh, Genesis 4, verse 13, Cain said to the Lord, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can do what? Tell me. But I challenge you to find one place where God Almighty ever lightened it. Now the next door, the fact that Cain stayed on the wrong side of the first door necessitated the second door, and I must rush and rush fast. In Genesis 6, men began to multiply. Sons of God married the daughters of men. The sons of God married daughters of men. You know the story. And giants were born. And then God saw the wickedness. Verse 5. And God repented that he made man. Verse 6. God said, I'll destroy him. Verse 7. Noah found grace. Now the Revised Standard Version says Noah found favor. And if Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, God's a respective person. No other man ever found favor in his eyes. Men find grace in the eyes of the Lord. But every one of us would go to hell if we had our just reward. Answer me. Come on. Noah found grace, unmerited favor. He didn't merit this favor. God showered it upon him. Now then, God told Noah to build an ark. Now, I'd like to read a lot of scripture, but I can't afford to. Verse 13, God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood, room shalt thou make. In the ark, and pitch within and out with pitch. Now, that's the first time the word atonement is used in the Bible. The Hebrew word pitch is the English word atonement. Now, read on. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. Now, listen, follow this closely. Now, I don't know whether there's a shipbuilder here tonight or not. But I have some dear friends in New Purdue, Virginia, one of the largest shipbuilding cities in the world. And they've built some of the largest ships that float on the high seas today. And some of my best friends work in the shipbuilding yards in uh, Newport News, Virginia. And one of the outstanding builders in that yard told me that percentage-wise, they still use Noah's blueprints. Now, I don't mean they build it the same length and breadth and height, but percentage-wise, if they build it twice as long as Noah's, they build it twice as wide as Noah's, and they build it twice as high. 
If they build it one-third bigger than Noah's, Noah's ship, they build it a third longer, a third wider, and a third higher, they still follow the percentage verbatim. But every shipbuilder on the face of the earth reading Noah's blueprints would immediately outlaw one thing. And I'll show you in a minute. Now read on. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. That's 450 feet. Now I want to show you, brother, if you think this was a canoe. This tent. What is this tent, Robbie? What is it, Tom? 220 feet? What does it say over there on that thing right there? Right, look right over there, Tom. See what it says? 220 feet, I think. I don't know. I don't know how long this tent is. Maybe it's 200. What is it, Ralph? 150 feet long. Fine, all right. This tent's 150 feet long. Now listen, I want you to get this, brother. If you can digest this, you digest it. That ark was 450 feet long, so that's exactly three times as long as this tent. Now you stick two more tents on the end of this down through the field. Yeah? Two more. Now wait a minute. 450 feet long, and uh, what does it say? The breadth, 50 cubits. That's 75 feet. The tent's 80 feet wide, so take five feet off. Just take five feet off over here. So the ark was three times as long and just like in five feet as wide. Now wait, and it was 15 cubits high. Or rather the height is 30 cubits. The height of the tent, uh, the ark is 30 cubits. Now that's 45 feet. Now these poles are only 36 feet and they go out the top about six feet. So it's about 30 feet to the top. So the ark was half again as high as the eave of this tent, three times as long and like five feet being as wide. That's a floating piece of plunder. Amen. Some of these brainy, 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 brainy liberalists say that Noah couldn't have gotten two of every kind of animals in it. Listen, if some of those birds' brains were hydrogen bombs and they exploded all at one time, there wouldn't be enough power to blow their nose. Amen. That's a fact. That's right. They wouldn't. They haven't got sense enough to die. If they did, they'd go on and get out of the way and leave folks alone. Amen. So I don't like you, preacher. Paul said concerning the Galatians, I challenge you. Paul said, I wish they were cut off that trouble you. Didn't he say it, huh? Yes, he said it. He said, I wish that gang was dead. But we're a bunch of little sugar-coated, chocolate-covered, lovey-dovey folks today that's supposed to entertain the devil at least one time a month. All right. So God said, build it 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Now, verse 16, a window, a window, shalt thou make in the ark, and in a cubit, 18 inches, that's a cubit, that's a standard cubit, shalt thou finish it above. Now, some Bible scholars believe that there was an 18-inch opening all around the top of the ark. Be that as it may, there was one window. I'm not discussing that, but here's what I want you to see, and every shipbuilder on earth would outlaw it immediately. And, uh, finish above. Uh, there's a, a colon there, above, colon, and, conjunction, and, say one word at a time, one word at a time, and, what's the next word? No, no, no. Now, I'm not trying to be smart, but don't read words into this book, brother. God put all in here that's needed here. And don't take any out. When there is a the, read it. An A, read it. Don't leave it out. Don't put any of these or A's in. Just read it. Say, Mr. Green, do you believe that uh, God has protected this book in that the these and the A's and so forth? I certainly do. You say you're cracked. I'm glad I am. That's where the light got in. <laughs> if I had good sense, I might be in the same shape some other folks are in. 
So if this is insanity I'm afflicted with, I thank God I'm a nitwit. Amen. I'm happy. What about you? When God says thee, I believe God means T-H-E and no more. Amen. Huh? Now read one word at a time. Now he told him to finish the window. Let me read the verse so you'll see where I am. Verse 16, a window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, colon, A-N-D, conjunction, and, a window, and, say one word, no more, and what? The, T-H-E, the, the what? Tell me. The D-double-O-R, not D-double-O-R-S, but D-double-O-R, is that right? Say. Now you imagine, you imagine. Now listen to me. And I told some fellows the other night about the only difference in these denominationally trained, high-standing, high-learning, high-critics that come over the assembly line of these liberal, modern seminaries. The only difference in them, God bless you, is about like the Ford automobile. The only difference in a Ford is the body shape. You have two doors and four doors and sport coupes and, and uh, convertibles. The only difference in Ford is body shape. That's about the only difference in these liberals. They all have the same thing under the hood. They're just a little different in body shape. That's all. Amen. Some are fat and some are skinny, but they all preach the same junk. Amen. Say amen. Sit out there and blink at me like you're mad. You're not mad. Amen. You couldn't get mad. That's right. Now, if that had been some of this modern gang, they would have taken God's blueprints and they would have read 450 feet. That's fine. 75 feet. That's fine. 45 feet. Yeah, that's fine. What? One door. You know, listen, God must have been wrong. Say, one door. Well, that'll never do. Suppose we had a fire. Well, bless God, when God's on board, it can't burn. Amen. Huh? So they just said, we'll have to put a door in that end and a door over here and a door over here and a fire escape here. That's right. That's right, brother. I wish to the dear Lord above that man would keep his hands off God's word and preach it like God put it down. Amen. Why don't you keep your filthy hands off this book? Amen. Huh? And let God say what he says. Now when God says there's one door to heaven, you'll go through that door or go to hell. Now I've never built a church. I don't guess I ever will. But if I ever do, I'm not going to put but one door in it. I'm going to make every bird fly out the same hole. Amen. There'll be no sneaking outside doors to keep from speaking to Sister Jones. That's right. Every church ought to have one door. Then bless the Lord, and you get peeved at the pastor. You couldn't slip out the basement. That's right. That's right. There are people in this tent tonight haven't shook hands with your pastor. You haven't had your pastor's hand in your hand six months. You ought to go home tonight and ask God to forgive you. You never have gone to a doctor and he gave you a bottle of pills. You didn't say, thanks, doc. Go to church, God bless you, and he give you a good dose of gospel and you get mad and sneak out the basement. All right, now let's move. Got to move. So... God said, 
God said, no, I put a door, a door, a door. Now listen, a door, the door of the ark shall thou set in the side. Now, of course, that's the pierced side of Jesus. Jesus is our ark with lower, second, and third stories. There's the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and the pierced side shall they make. Now, so much for that. Now, so much for that. So the ark had one door. Now, look at verse 1 in chapter 7. And heaven knows I'll never get through tonight. Chapter 7. How many of you folks could stand another hour of this? Raise your hand. Well, I'm starting the second hour right now. Amen. That's right. Just wanted to know if you could take it. All right. Now, in chapter 7 in verse 1, listen. Now, follow me closely. You look close at the words. Don't you take your eyes off your Bible. And the Lord said unto Noah, Noah, round up your children if you can find them and get them in the ark right quick. Get in yourself. It's going to rain. Is that in the book? <laughs> yes, sir. <clears throat> that reminds me, I told you the other night, and God knows it's a truth. God knows it's a truth. I've never had any trouble getting along with my colored friends. I get along a lot better with some of my colored friends than I do some of my white friends. I'm a southerner, born in the south, live in the south, raised in the south. God bears me record. I've never had an argument or a fuss with a colored man or a woman. Never had any trouble. I like to preach to my colored friends in the south. Now, I don't know how many of you colored folks tonight are from the south, but... Uh, there's a difference in the white northerner and the southern, north, uh, the southern uh, white man, and there's a difference in the southern Negro and the northern Negro. And I appreciate you folks, and I appreciate my southern colored friends just as much as I appreciate you, and God knows I'm not, I don't have to say that. I don't have to say, I don't, I, listen, I'm not killing time. I don't have any to kill. And I love my colored friends. I love to preach to them. And I do preach to them, always have preached. I've never, I've never conducted a revival and said, colored folks, you can't come. Never have. I haven't crowed about it like some of these birds. But I love the colored man just as much as I love you. And I'll pray with a colored man just as quick as I'll pray with you. And a colored man's soul is just as precious in the eyes of God as you are. Now, I mean that. But I love my colored friends in the South. And I, I, I always, when I'm with them, I always have a wonderful time with them. And one Sunday morning, a good old colored parson was preaching over here in Genesis 4. And that morning at the breakfast table, he had devotions, and he read the same scripture he's going to read that morning for his 11 o'clock service. And he read about Cain and so forth. And while he was praying, his little six or eight, nine-month-old baby was in his lap. And the little baby put its hand over in the jam and then laid its little hand on the book, and the colored preacher closed his Bible. <laughs> And that morning he got up to read to his parishioners. And he said, brothers and sisters, he said, this morning I'm preaching on Cain and the flood. And so he started reading. He said, and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and knew his wife. And he turned the page. He thought he was turning one. And he turned two and said she was uh, four, uh, 45. Uh, wait, let me read it right. Let me get it here. He turned two pages. And he said, when he began to read, he said that his wife was 300 cubits long and 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high, and she was pitched within and without with pitch. <clears throat> and when he read that, his eyes got great big like that, you know. 
And he, he raised up and he looked at his parishioners and he said, Brothers and sisters, that is the first time I ever saw that in the book. Now that's the first time you folks ever saw what I read in the book, right? Somebody said so over here. Now let me read it again. I ask you to watch every word. Don't you move your eyes from that verse. And the Lord said unto Noah, and the Lord said unto Noah, Go thou and all thy house into the ark. Amen? No, no. Now I want you to say one word for me and then I'll move. Heaven knows I must. And the Lord said unto Noah, and the Lord said unto Noah, comma, one word, C-O-M-E, come. Now, wait a minute. I don't see anybody outside. I mean right here. There may be somebody outside. Now, wait. I'm trying to show you something. Now, if I saw a gentleman standing out there by Raff, Raff Horn, the song leader's automobile, if I saw a gentleman standing out there, I'd look out there and I'd say, Sir, come on in the tent. Have a seat. Right? But if one of my ushers saw a gentleman standing beside Raph's car and the usher went out where he is and took him by the hand and said, my name's Brown or Green, what's your name? He said, my name's Smith or Jones. And then Mr. Brown said to Mr. Jones, he would say, go in the tent and have a seat. Right? That means both of them are outside. Now I'm inside, I say, come in. If I were outside, I'd say, go in. Now, God said, come in. When Noah finished the ark, God went in first. And God inspected it, and it was built exactly like God blueprinted it. And when God saw and knew that it was safe for what was ahead, he said, Noah, come in. Right? Now, here's one more verse, verse the same chapter, 7, same chapter. Now, verse 16, and they that went in, and they went in, they that went in, went in, male and female of all flesh, and God, as God had commanded him, and the Lord, and the Lord, read three words, the Lord, shut it in. Now, Noah was on the wrong side of the door, until God said, come into the ark. And when Noah came in the ark, God shut him in. And he was on the right side of the door. If he had stayed on the wrong side of the door, he would have drowned with the rest of that crowd. Amen? Answer me. On the right side, you can't drown. On the wrong side, you can't live. Now, Jesus is the door. But the same door that lets you in will see to it that you don't get in if you're not on the Lord's side, the right side. Well, I should stop according to the time. How many of you want to give me ten more minutes to finish the message? Thank you. Exodus 12, right quick. And I promise you I'll hurry. I have good intentions. Heaven knows. I don't like to keep you. God knows I don't. I've already preached twice today. This is the third time. 
Not only three times, but I fixed five tapes for VCH. So in all, this makes the eighth time today. So Exodus 12. Well, I should read all these verses, but I guess you'll have to hit them in high spots. Exodus 12, 1. Lord spake to Moses and Aaron and said, uh, this, is a month, this month shall be the beginning of months. Verse 3. I'm not reading. I'm just telling the story. Verse 3. Speak unto all the congregation of Israel and say, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house, his fathers, and so forth. Verse 4. Household be little. Then, of course, two come together. Verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. That's Jesus, a male. That's Jesus. He shall take it from the sheep and from the goats. He was separate from sinners. No man ever lived like Jesus lived. And ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Jesus died in the evening. And they shall take the B-L-O-O-D. What does that spell? The blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper what? Door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Now look to save time at verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. Verse 12. And will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the B-L-O-O-D. Get it. And the B-L-O-O-D shall be to you for a what? Upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the what? Tell me. The blood I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now then, I must stop just a moment before I read another very interesting verse. Here it is. Now listen, I'm not reading. I, I want to tell you something. Now I read, he said, take the blood of this lamb and strike either side and across the top of the door. Strike it with the blood, the B-L-O-O-D. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Now then, I know man didn't write the Bible. Man recoils at blood. I'll illustrate I want you to listen carefully. I will illustrate. I know man didn't write the Bible for many reasons. How many of you fellows have ever killed a deer, a buck deer with antlers? Raise your hand. Ever killed a deer? Put your hand up high. Well, I'm glad here are three. And I told some fellows the other night about the only difference in these denominationally trained, high standing, high learning, high critics that come over the assembly line of these liberal modern seminaries, the only difference in them, God bless you, is about like the Ford automobile. The only difference in a Ford is the body shape. You have two doors and four doors and sport coupes and, and uh, convertibles. The only difference in Ford is body shape. That's about the only difference in these liberals. They all have the same thing under the hood. They're just a little different in body shape. That's all. Amen. Some are fat and some are skinny, but they all preach the same junk. Amen. Say amen. amen. Sit out there and blink at me like you're mad. You're not mad. Amen. You couldn't get mad. That's right. Now, if that had been some of this modern gang, they would have taken God's blueprints and they would have read 450 feet. That's fine. 75 feet. That's fine. 45 feet. Yeah, that's fine. What? One door. You know, listen. God must have been wrong. Say one door. Well, that'll never do. Suppose we had a fire. Well, bless God, when God's on board, it can't burn. Amen. Huh? So they just said, we'll have to put a door in that end and a door over here and a door over here and a fire escape here. That's right. That's right, brother. 
I wish to the dear Lord above that man would keep his hands off God's word and preach it like God put it down. Amen. Why don't you keep your filthy hands off this book? Amen. Huh? And let God say what he says. Now, when God says there's one door to heaven, you'll go through that door or go to hell. Now, I've never built a church. I don't guess I ever will. But if I ever do, I'm not going to put but one door in it. I'm going to make every bird fly out the same hole. Amen. There'll be no sneaking outside doors to keep from speaking to Sister Jones. I tried every church ought to have one door. Then bless the Lord, and you get peeved at the pastor, you couldn't slip out the basement. That's right. That's right. There are people in this tent tonight haven't shook hands with your pastor. You haven't had your pastor's hand in your hand in six months. You ought to go home tonight and ask God to forgive you. You never have gone to a doctor and he gave you a bottle of pills. You didn't say, Thanks, Doc. Go to church, God bless you, and he give you a good dose of gospel, and you get mad and sneak out the basement. All right, now let's move. Got to move. So God said, God said, Noah, put a door, a door, a door. Now listen, a door, the door of the ark shall thou set in the side. Now, of course, that's the pierced side of Jesus. Jesus is our ark with lower, second, and third stories. There's the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and the pierced side shall they make. Now, so much for that. Now, so much for that. So the ark had one door. Now, look at verse 1 in chapter 7. And heaven knows I'll never get through tonight. Chapter 7. How many of you folks could stand another hour of this? Raise your hand. Well, I'm starting the second hour right now. Amen. That's right. Just wanted to know if you could take it. All right. Now, in chapter 7 in verse 1, listen. Now, follow me closely. You look close at the words. Don't you take your eyes off your Bible. And the Lord said unto Noah, Noah, round up your children if you can find them and get them in the ark right quick. Get in yourself. It's going to rain. Is that in the book? <laughs> yes, sir. That reminds me, I told you the other night, and God knows it's a truth. God knows it's a truth. I've never had any trouble getting along with my colored friends. I get along a lot better with some of my colored friends than I do some of my white friends. I'm a southerner, born in the south, live in the south, raised in the south. God bears me record. I've never had an argument or a fuss with a colored man or a woman. Never had any trouble. I like to preach to my colored friends in the south. Now, I don't know how many of you colored folks tonight are from the south, but... Uh, there's a difference in the white northerner and the southern, north, uh, the southern uh, white man, and there's a difference in the southern Negro and the northern Negro. And I appreciate you folks, and I appreciate my southern colored friends just as much as I appreciate you, and God knows I'm not, I don't have to say that. I don't have to say, I don't, I, listen, I'm not killing time. I don't have to kill. And I love my colored friends. I love to preach to them. And I do preach to them, always have preached. I've never, I've never conducted a revival and said, colored folks, you can't come. Never have. I haven't crowed about it like some of these birds. But I love the colored man just as much as I love you. And I'll pray with a colored man just as quick as I'll pray with you. And a colored man's soul is just as precious in the eyes of God as you are. Now, I mean that. 
But I love my colored friends in the South. And I, I, I always, when I'm with them, I always have a wonderful time with them. And one Sunday morning, a good old colored parson was preaching over here in Genesis 4. And that morning at the breakfast table, he had devotions. And he read the same scripture he's going to read that morning for his 11 o'clock service. And he read about Cain and so forth. And while he was praying, his little six or eight, nine-month-old baby was in his lap. And the little baby put its hand over in the jam and then laid its little hand on the book and the colored preacher closed his Bible. <laughs> and that morning he got up to read to his parishioners. And he said, brothers and sisters, he said, this morning I'm preaching on Cain and the flood. And so he started reading. He said, and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and knew his wife. And he turned the page. He thought he was turning one. And he turned two and said she was uh, four, uh, 45. Uh, let me read it right. Let me get it here. He turned two pages. And he said, when he began to read, he said that his wife was 300 cubits long and 50 cubits wide and 30 cubits high. And she was pitched within and without with pitch. And when he read that, his eyes got great big like that, you know. And he, he raised up and he looked at his parishioners and he said, Brothers and sisters, that is the first time I ever saw that in the book. Now that's the first time you folks ever saw what I read in the book, right? Somebody said so over here. Now let me read it again. I ask you to watch every word. Don't you move your eyes from that verse. And the Lord said unto Noah, and the Lord said unto Noah, Go thou and all thy house into the ark. Amen? No, no. Now I want you to say one word for me, and then I'll move. Heaven knows I must. And the Lord said unto Noah, and the Lord said unto Noah, comma, one word. C-O-M-E, come. Now, wait a minute. I don't see anybody outside. I mean right here. There may be somebody outside. Now, wait. I'm trying to show you something. Now, if I saw a gentleman standing out there by Ralph, Ralph Horn, the song leader's automobile, if I saw a gentleman standing out there, I'd look out there and I'd say, Sir, come on in the tent. Have a seat. Right? But if one of my ushers saw a gentleman standing beside Ralph's car, and the usher went out where he is and took him by the hand and said, My name's Brown or Green. What's your name? He said, My name's Smith or Jones. And then Mr. Brown said to Mr. Jones, he would say, Go in the tent and have a seat. Right? That means both of them are outside. Now, I'm inside. I say, Come in. If I were outside, I'd say, Go in. Now, God said, Come in. When Noah finished the ark, God went in first. And God inspected it, and it was built exactly like God blueprinted it. And when God saw and knew that it was safe for what was ahead, he said, Noah, come in. Right? Now here's one more verse, verse the same chapter 7, same chapter. Now verse 16, and they that went in, and they went in, they that went in, went in, male and female of all flesh, and God, as God had commanded him, and the Lord 
And the Lord, read three words, the Lord shut it in. Now, Noah was on the wrong side of the door until God said, come into the ark. And when Noah came in the ark, God shut him in. And he was on the right side of the door. If he had stayed on the wrong side of the door, he would have drowned with the rest of that crowd. Amen? Answer me. On the right side, you can't drown. On the wrong side, you can't live. Now, Jesus is the door. But the same door that lets you in will see to it that you don't get in if you're not on the Lord's side, the right side. Well, I should stop according to the time. How many of you want to give me ten more minutes to finish the message? Thank you. Exodus 12, right quick. And I promise you, I'll hurry. I have good intentions. Heaven knows. I don't like to keep you. God knows I don't. I've already preached twice today. This third time. Not only three times, but I fixed five tapes for VCH. So in all, this makes the eighth time today. So Exodus 12. Well, I should read all these verses, but I guess I just have to hit them at high spots. Exodus 12, 1. Lord spake to Moses and Aaron and said, uh, this, is a month, this month shall be the beginning of months. Verse 3. I'm not reading. I'm just telling the story. Verse 3. Speak unto all the congregation of Israel and say, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house, his fathers, and so forth. Verse 4. Household be little, and of course two come together. Verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. That's Jesus, a male. That's Jesus. He shall take it from the sheep and from the goats. He was separate from sinners. No man ever lived like Jesus lived. And ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Jesus died in the evening. And they shall take the B-L-O-O-D. What does that spell? The blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper what? Door post of the houses wherein... They shall eat it. Now look to save time at verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. Verse 12. And will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the B-L-O-O-D. Get it. And the B-L-O-O-D shall be to you for a what? Upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the what? Tell me. The blood I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now then, I must stop just a moment before I read another very interesting verse. Here it is. Now listen, I'm not reading. I, I want to tell you something. Now I read, he said, take the blood of this lamb and strike either side and across the top of the door. Strike it with the blood, the B-L-O-O-D. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Now then, I know man didn't write the Bible. Man recoils at blood. I'll illustrate I want you to listen carefully. I will illustrate. I know man didn't write the Bible for many reasons. How many of you fellows have ever killed a deer, a buck deer with antlers? Raise your hand. Ever killed a deer? Put your hand up high. Well, I'm glad here are three men that have killed a deer. Now then, listen. Don't think I'm trying to be funny. I'm trying to show you something. I don't want you to laugh. When I want you to laugh, you'll know it. 
God deliver me from this bunch that can't laugh. I pity anybody that can't laugh. God knows I'd die in the insane asylum if I couldn't laugh once in a while. I would. I know some folks can't and some folks can't cry. And I'm talking about this folks that's too holy to laugh. Funny thing to me, somebody ever got in their head that when you get righteous, you've got to die out in the face. Look like a corpse. Anybody on God's green earth that ought to wear a smile ought to be a child of God. Amen, say. And I don't know where you got that idea. When you get saved, you gotta, you got to uh, take off uh, everything that makes you look nice and neat. Now listen, I don't believe in Hollywood and hell, but I believe a child of God ought to want to look as nice and clean and neat for Jesus as a sinner wants to look for the devil. Amen. And I believe the right kind of Christian will make you part your hair and shine your shoes. Thank you. All right, that's not in the budget. That's, uh, that's free. Amen. All right. Now then, he said, strike the blood on the door. Now, when you kill, now listen, I'm not trying to be funny. When you kill that deer, here's what you do. You see that buck coming through the woods and you're shooting a rifle or a shotgun or a buckshot and you get a good steady footing and you raise that thing up and you get a bead on him and you fire and he topples over. So you run up and when he stops kicking, if you don't, he'll cut you all to pieces with his hoofs. But when he stops kicking and he kindly settles down, you pull out your hunting knife cut his jugular vein and you take your canteen and you catch it full of blood then when you get your canteen full of blood you screw the top on it put your canteen back in the holder then of course the head's no good so you just cut the head and the antlers off and throw it in the bushes and pick up the deer and drag it if it's too big to carry and you drag it out to the highway you throw the antlers in the bushes and you cut off those pretty little hoofs and you throw them in the bushes and you skin him and take that nice hide with that little white tail and you throw it in the bushes. But you keep that canteen full of blood. Then when you get home where all your hunter friends come to see you in the den where you keep your guns and your stuffed ducks and your bobcat, when you get there with your deer blood, you go over on the white paneling, the white pine, and you dob a little blood here, and you dob a little blood there, and you dob a little blood up there. And then when your hunter friends come to see you, they see three blotches of blood on the wall, and they say, what's that? And you say, that's that ten-point buck I killed. Right? No, wrong. You let the blood run in the dirt, you preserve the animal. Now, if man had ordained this, he'd have said, fellas, kill the lamb, skin it, and take the beautiful fleece and tack it on the door. Cut off a couple of those nice little hoofs and tack them on the door. No, man recoils it. Blood, 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 blood. That's the reason your isms, schisms, and spasms are growing like wildfire. You let any preacher, let any preacher here tonight, let any one of these humble preachers Go over here in another city somewhere where they're not known and let them rent a store building and put a little sign over out there. Uh, beginning Saturday night, Independent Methodist Church, Independent Baptist Church, Independent Lutheran Church, Independent Pentecostal Church. Reverend so-and-so, the pastor, we'll preach the blood. We're going to preach the blood. We're going to preach the blood. That's the sign. Saturday night, he may have six. He may have six. 
that you let one of these high-powered rootin' tootin' birds, God bless you, put up a sign down there on some big building seat, 5,000, and they put up in great big red letters, I talked with God at 4.30 last Saturday morning. Come. We'll cast out demons and raise the dead. You'll have to bring some cops from Pennsylvania to park the cars. Amen. Answer me. Don't sit out there and stare at me. Answer me. You know it's the truth. Man recoils at blood, 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 but God deals in blood or fire. You'll get out of the blood or you'll fry in hell. See, I don't believe in hell. That don't change it. What you believe about it doesn't change it. Now here's a verse. And I rush and I stop. Exodus, same chapter, 12, verse 22. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop. And hyssop is the most humble plant on earth. You touch it, it falls all to pieces. We tried to bring some back from the Holy Land. We brought back wormwood. And it's coming. Olive branches and all that stuff that we couldn't bring back in the hyssop. It falls all to pieces when you touch it. Jesus, Jesus as a tender plant grew up out of dry ground, right? Hmm? Hyssop. Take hyssop, dip it in blood, in the basin, strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you, and now wait, and none of you shall go out at the what? I want you to say it for me, folks. You didn't say it. And none of you shall go out at the what? At the door of his house until what? Now hear this. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees thee what? Upon the lintel and the two side posts, the Lord will pass over thee what? The door and will not suffer the destroyer to what? Two words. Come in under your houses to smite you. The Israelite had to be on the right side of the door for protection. Is that right? Say. Now, the other John 10. I'm leaving out a very important scripture. Maybe I should tell you where it is so you can study it when you get home. Please don't turn. Because this is important and I don't want you to miss it. Matthew 25, 1, 12, the ten virgins. Five went in. Five went to buy oil. When they returned with the oil, the door was what? Shut. And they knocked. They said, Lord. They knocked again. Lord, open unto us. What did he say? I know you're not. Those on the right side of the door enjoyed the marriage feast. Those on the wrong side of the door didn't get in. The same door that lets you in will see to it, bless God, that you don't get in. If you're not right with God. You go ahead and junk the message, bless your soul. Go ahead, God bless you. Some of you here the first and the last time. You don't kid me. I'm a quarter of a century looking in the faces. 
I'm no fly-by-night upstart, God bless you, that started last week. This is no racket. Some poor simpleton put a sign out there the other night after the meeting warning the poor dupes to stay out of this tent. You're no dupe for coming in here. You've got good sense, my friend. And I'm no stupid idiot. I'm not making a living, God bless you, with a sick wife in Greenville, God bless you, that could have died just as easy as she lived and I left her flat of her back in a hospital, God bless you, to come here. I'm no, listen, you go ahead and grin and snigger and shrug your shoulders and say taboo one day. You wish to God you could see this tent. I'm not making a living. If I wanted to make money, bless God, I'd open up a bar and a liquor store in Camden, New Jersey. Amen. That's what I'd do. I wouldn't bring a tent to town and be cussed. Can't even keep a sign up, tell folks how to get here. Now let me finish this. John 10. I'm reading. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Oliver Green, you, you, Oliver Green, that's me, I say unto Oliver Green, he that entereth not by the what? Tell me. Climbeth up some other way, the same as a what? Say it for me. Thief? A thief and what else? Say it. All right, Jesus said in verse 9, I am the what? By me, if any man enter in, he shall be what? Now let me leave this with you. I'm through. He said, he that climbeth up some other way is a what? A thief and a robber. He that climbeth up some other way is a thief and a robber. I want to serve notice on you. Every last one of you, don't care who you are, God bless you, prophet, priest, or king, dictator, God bless you, agitator, good tater, rotten tater, don't care what you are, listen to me, every one of you, I don't care who you are and where you come from, listen to me, if you're trying to get to heaven on your baptism, your church membership, your good works, your giving, your going, your faithfulness, your sincerity, that fellow on the telephone today said, if we're sincere, if we're sincere, if the Buddhist is, is, is sincere, the Buddhist is just as well off as you are. If the Buddhist is just as well off as a believer in Christ, then God made a sad mistake when he let Jesus die on the cross. If you can get to heaven anyway except through the blood of Jesus, then God made a sad mistake. Now you listen to me. Listen to me. If you're expecting to go to heaven on your baptism, your church membership, your good works, your giving, your faithfulness, you are a common thief. And you'll never step inside the pearly gates except through the door. That movable personality that in one step moved from God's bosom to a virgin's womb and in one other step moved from the womb of a virgin to Calvary's cross and in one other step moved from death, hell, and the grave and took his seat beside God the Father. And there's one God and only one. 
one mediator between God and men, the man, the door, the lamb, the way, the truth, the life. It's Christ or hell. And on the right side of Jesus, you can't go to hell. And on the wrong side of Jesus, he'll see to it that you do go to hell. The door that you unlock and turn the knob, the door that you push open, and by pushing it open, the doorway to your home is open for you to enter. When you walk through that doorway and close that door, the same door that let you enter will keep your enemies out. The storm and the dogs and the thieves and the murderers. Amen. Say, Jesus is the door to heaven. And on the right side of Jesus, you're right. And on the wrong side of Jesus, you're on the road to hell. And you're going to hell. And you can't go to heaven. I am the door. Cain, there's a sin offering on the other side of your door. Noah, you're on the wrong side, son. Come in. Israelite, Put the blood on either side and across the top, but be sure you stay on the inside of that door. Inside, you're safe. You've got to be on the right side of the blood, my friend. Amen. Answer. The other side of the door. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.